With the advent of social media, the press is no longer one single ruling corporation and cannot be controlled. The free media allows individual voices to be heard and provides an alternative channel to the status quo propagated by the state. She concluded by saying that a free press mustn't be curbed as it promotes the purest form of political discourse, debating. Continuing with the proposition with Mr. Mo Musa, who opened by stating that in a world of crony capitalism, the media plays an important role and has the power to galvanise the people. However, since Murdoch, they've done the opposite. Since then, they've, uh, since then, the Sun, in their infinite power, has successfully backed the winner of every single general election. He claimed that no other body has such a protected, powerful position, as shown in the harrowing revelations revealed by the Leveson Inquiry. However, in the aftermath of Leveson, nothing has changed, leading to Mr. Moose to include that the stranglehold the media has over public opinion is far greater than we realise. Second for the opposition was Mr. Johnny Finlay, who stated that we are undermining the agency of the public and the free society. Welcome, Mr. Johnny Finlay. Your timing is immaculate, my friend. Mr. Johnny Finlay, who stated that we are undermining the agency of the public and that phrases like sheeple are unfounded, as people aren't that stupid. He stated that the press responds to demand, and that it is in fact, uh, and it is a fact that they are, uh, it is a lie, rather, that they are slaves to the public. Okay? He again uh, iterated that the press as we know it is being eclipsed by new media, with the onset of the internet age. This led to the conclusion that if the public doesn't like the press, they can simply abandon it, and it will probably go away. Concluding the proposition with Mr. Finbar Rogers, God help us all, who opened by stating that he had no sleep, no speech, and no dignity. Oh, we'll come back to that third one. <laughs> he asserted that we can't listen to the opinion of individuals as the press crushes them all. He replied to the assertion that one can't sell oneself into slavery by asking if a has ever met a libertarian. He stated, that there were, uh, he stated that there once was a time when the press could have been held accountable. Then Thatcher happened. It was at this point in Mr. Rogers' speech that I very sadly suffered an out-of-body experience. <laughs> so I shan't be recounting how Mr. Rogers decided to end his arguments. <laughs> Concluding the opposition, was, and so the debate was Mr. Andrew Hanneman. He stated that by definition, freedom cannot enslave, and that while some may believe whatever is churned out of the sun's populist portaloo of news, there is no reason to curb the press's power. As for every person that is duped, there is one that isn't. He stated that enslavement isn't a lack of government innovation, it is too much of it. He concluded by stating that the population will be allowed to develop under a free press by giving each individual an opinion of their own. The debate then moved to the floor, where questions were heard from Craig Miller, Jeremy Mueller, Sinead Burns, Graham Alexander by Twitter, Ben Murphy and Richard Gallagher. A vote was taken based on House opinion which read 2 eyes, 8 nays and 10 abstentions. A casting vote was then taken based on speech performance which read 8 eyes, 7 nays and 3 abstentions. May I take the minutes as read? Aye. announcements actually um, about paying for the Christmas dinner as well. If you would like to pay, I'd appreciate it if you paid. Um, Craig, the back there, um, 25 quid today, please, if you don't mind. Um, second one that Robbie mentioned was the internal meeting, it was on the 8th of December. Uh, please do, there's a spreadsheet online, if you can't make a meeting, please do fill in the spreadsheet because this is your chance to get, decide the motions for next semester. So if there's anything that you would like, any topic you're interested in, anything you would like to debate, um, write it on the spreadsheet, even if you haven't got an exact motion, uh, even a topic, and we can sort of like try and get one out of that if it's, um, well, the group think it's good enough. Um, and I think that's 
for that for announcements. Uh, now we move on to private member business. So does anybody have any private member business? This is the point where you can bring in a topic from the news that you're interested in, sort of mini debate, anything about the society. Yes. Just a question. Uh, you mentioned there's a spreadsheet online for the internal meeting and the motions uh, one up. Yeah. Can the secretary please include the link to that in the next email that's sent out? For those of us who don't have Facebook. I believe I did. Did you? Oh, wonderful. Anyway. <laughs> and again, this email is this week, I'm sure, as well. Um, and should be the last one if you're interested in filling in before Monday. Um, any other bits of private this? Yes. What does the House think will be of the Labour Party now that Corbyn has basically stated that he doesn't want to bomb Syria and his Foreign Secretary has stated that he does? Okay. Yes, you can respond to that if you like. Um, I believe what Mr Corbyn's statement actually is on Syria is that he would not support um, military action unless there was a broader um, outline of a, a broader uh, peace plan. So, um, the question is probably incorrect. He actually, what he actually stated was that he thinks that there can be a sort of peace treaty between uh, ISIS and the free Syrian army and the uh, Assad regime, which is an absolute misnomer. It's never going to happen. So he basically has stated he will always support it. Can I respond? Yes. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> 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 um, but, no. um, so, but what he's what he's actually doing, and this is the only tangible thing, is that they're going towards a free vote, which means that MPs can actually vote with their conscience rather than being told that they have to vote for a war that could end up killing thousands, well, will end up killing thousands of civilians. Okay, anyone else have a comment on that motion? No, great. Yeah? Thanks. Yeah, we kind of side that, but basically, um, what he's saying is quite sensible. He's saying he's not completely ruling out military action. What he's saying is we need to uh, make sure we know what we're going, the reasons for. We need a broader peace plan, um, and, and, you know, the, what, what that's been reported as has actually been quite manipulated by the media and, and been quite misreported. Um, and I, I think it's quite sensible to actually say we need, we need to make sure we know what we're going for. We need to plan for the process after we, we bomb this part of the world. We need, we need to know what, what we're going to do after that. And that's quite a sensible thing to actually suggest. Yeah. Okay. Freedom of the press a bit of you. Um, yes? Um, yeah, I, mean, I would back up the idea that having some sort of concrete ideal of what's going to happen post-bombing and killing of everybody is a pretty good idea um, because, you know, like, not having a good idea after World War One went so well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really, really kind of fair enough idea to have this sort of plan, this sort of action in place. And it's so, so easy for, like, ideals that are out of the ordinary to be manipulated by the media. Here we go again, freedom of press. Um, to be manipulated by the media and to be changed around, you know, by this kind of private press, and I, I, could, I would completely support the idea. Okay, good, Craig. Um. The BBC is not right-wing press; it's left centre of anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was talking about the BBC. It's probably why okay. left in my eyes. But. I, that wasn't actually the point in terms of whether or not bombing's the right can, the right idea. It was to do with the fact that his his whole argument is no, and then his foreign secretary no. is saying yeah. So, and that's the big issue with what's going on in the Labour Party when the foreign secretary is coming out going, I support it, and then Corbyn's going, no, I don't. Okay. Yeah. 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 Y
How many how many extremist regimes actually last more than a couple of years? Why why do we need to get involved and we will lengthen the le this the lifespan of that regime? Uh, ISIS. We will just lengthen its lifespan. We will go in for 10, 15 years, kill thousands of our own men, hundreds of thousands of innocents, and destroy the world. Just let it collapse in itself. Unfortunately, as much as I would wish I could agree with you on that, they have got like all the oil reserves in the whole of north of Iraq. They've got funding from the four richest Gulf states and the arms from them as well, the support from both their borders. Just leaving them there and kind of saying, Setter is paradise, it will all work. Probably will. Okay, we wrap up it, go for it, and then So, in that case, what we need to do is start cooperating with the, the Gulf states that are funding them, start cooperating with Turkey, and build better relations with Russia. Because Russia, Russia is a threat from Islamic militants, probably more than we are. They have the trouble in the Caucasus. And, uh, yeah, the Caucasus, and they, they they should be our allies in this, but we our politicians are dragging us in to confront Russia, and keeping us allied to steal the behead of some civilians and stop women having rights. Well, I was just going to say I definitely agree with the idea that we need a we need a peace plan. We need something, an idea for what happens post bombing. But would anyone really, uh, would really, really say that there is anything on the table besides containment to get rid of ISIS um, other than airstrikes? Because I think we can all safely assume that um, negotiations with such a group are, are not, not a feasible undertaking. So um, while we could hope that they go away, try and contain them, I would say it's unfair to say that our politicians are dragging us into this conflict. Whereas I would rather say we are being dragged into this conflict by the militants themselves, and thus we will accelerate our, um, how do you say, freedom from thinking about this issue if we actually fight and um, take action to um, not just contain the militants but to um, destabilize them, and then ideally to also prevent such a group from rising again with a peace plan. Okay. Thank you. I'm not sure if you want to give me the last word. Go for it, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Who, whoever mentioned Turkey, I think it's got the right idea. I think they're probably the biggest regional player that's causing most of the issues right now. They're selling ISIS's oil for them on their behalf and giving them about 40 kids a pound, which is the first issue because that's what's keeping them alive. Secondly, they, they're killing the Kurdish people, so they're, the, the would be troops on the ground for us are getting killed by our allies, which is a massive issue at the moment. So I completely agree that in terms of getting something sorted, you have to sort Turkey out, which basically means getting Russia and Turkey around the table right now and seeing what's going to happen. That's hard. Uh, Russia at this present moment in time, although on our ally, they're actually not our enemy. It's not they're our enemy's enemy either. They're, they're, they're their own thing and they want to prop up Assad. Now, Assad has actually said that he would happily step down, and I use that very loosely, uh, basically, and this is what he's ba they bribe the UN with, Russia, going, he'll stay, in, in, he'll stay in in the short-term measure until he can choose somebody to take his regime over. And that's what Russia have accepted at the UN. So there is something there, a short-term strand, leave Assad in, then Russia said we can get rid of Assad. So there is actually a plan in process. The key here is actually getting Turkey to agree what their role in this thing is. They've got their money, they've got to stop selling the oil and stop bombing Kurds. And until those two things happen, you're right, it's going to be hard on the ground. Okay. 
Thank you very much. Um, I think we'll keep with that section of primary business. Um, does anybody have another? In the bar, in the bar. Anyone else? Yes. Um, what would the house say to the idea that um, because of the current situation that's been happening here with Stormont and the requirement that Theresa Villiers has had to be so involved with the resolving of that issue, what would the house say to the fact that, or to the motion that um, Northern Ireland is still is still not a functioning democracy in terms of it not being able to control its own effects and being babied by Dublin and London. Okay, thank you. So I'll have a quick response to that. Anyone else? <laughs> yes. I, I meant to say, I've got my own mini conspiracy theory as well as going on. Uh, very many. Very many. Basically, the UP and the UP have wanted to get 12 corporations <coughs> across the whole island of Ireland, and I think effectively what was going on is they were playing hardball to get that. And it's basically, you'll see that the 10 unionist me- members all vote in favour of the bombing, uh, in favour of getting 12.5% corporation tax. I think that's what's going on, but we're only seeing when the vote comes through. Okay, and that's how I that. Ooh, really said to the, to the idea of the motion, but yes, Northern Ireland is indeed mollycoddled to looking up to either Dublin or London as the mother or the father. We are completely tied to one league or another. That's part of what Northern Ireland essentially is whenever partition came within 1921. The idea of the Stormont government being there was to satisfy the amount of homework that was desired by people within the six counties area of Northern Ireland itself. However, the link with London was always going to be maintained. No matter what act was passed by the old Stormont regime, any act from the House of Commons in London could have easily overrided it, except that London was perfectly happy to just let Craig Alvin and his successors run around and do as they wished. So I must completely agree with that notion. And motion. Thank you. Do you like to move on that? So you're like, put a fish with no Um Any last permanent business? Yes. Well, I was just going to ask, um, I might, might I propose a more, a more equitable distribution of the fines levied by, uh, by the literific for uh, swearing? How, how would you pardon me? Um, no, I'm just, I'm wondering where all the port's going. <laughs> <laughs> But I would like you to come in and then we could distribute it. Um, generally, if there is a fine play mo, um, and Finbar and Sophie and Adam Hood and James uh, McAllister, if they're listening, um, <laughs> Finbar times five or six, I think. So generally, whenever fines do come in, mo, um, <laughs> we put them down the back and give out cups so people can drink them. So whenever those fines come in, I don't know. Um, they will be paid, well, to the members. Yes. I do remember in the past when fines were paid, they were indeed equitably distributed amongst the membership. Mm-hmm. The only problem we had was that not everyone actually took a drink of the port that their henceforth it was returned to the President's abode for that night for to finish it off. Which Pat Fowler conveniently stayed in with a lot of other people that night. So, yes, yes sir. Uh, can I say that fins at six bottles of port, right? Getting six bottles of port off of fins can be really difficult. What about, let's say, if he actually brings it on Tuesday before Christmas dinner, it can be reduced to two. Okay, okay. For that motion to the house? Yeah, exactly. We need about sex. Pardon? We need about sex to get out to people. Well, I think if there's two, I mean, your chances of getting sex are, I feel like they're dreadful. Let's just make the fine realistic and say, okay, okay, all those,
Can I just acknowledge that I think that's the most liberal and high lawyers ever said? Okay, so we have a second there. So, all those in favour of the motion that Finn's fine be reduced only on Tuesday to bring it before the Christmas dinner to two bottles, please raise your hand and say aye. Aye. Two, three. Tom? Yeah. Okay, all those against, nay. No mercy. <laughs> no mercy. That's worse. No mercy. You can't abstain. You can't abstain. All of us abstain on the motion. Okay. Okay, that'll be recorded. That Finn only on Tuesday has two, otherwise it's six. So, you know. What time on Tuesday? But I like If any of you would like to come and have a drink before you, if you're not going to the dinner, um, it's six o'clock here in the Senate room, and we'll just meet up. And if you're not, if you're not coming, then it's fine. Um, but we would like you to. Um, so I think we're going to move on to just a minute because uh, it was fine fun last time. Um, so do we have a motion, mm-hmm. Mr. Secretary? No, I just want to go call you Madam Secretary, <laughs> Mr. Secretary. This house believes that Christmas is overrated. Can we stop debating about Christmas? It's Christmas time. No, it's not. It's Christmas time. Meme is hard enough. Halloween. Thanksgiving. Can we, can we oppose this suggestion? If you, have another, if you have another sub- or suggestion that you think would be better. Does this not disagree with this point? This is not. See, that, that's not motion. motion. I'm opening a discourse. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we're, okay we're getting a conversation right. I'll go for that motion. So just, I think it's going to be just three minutes. So you have time, right? Yeah. So uh, the point is, you stand up, um, stand up and speak for as long as you can in motion. Um, for against, for against, and there should be no hesitation, repetition, or deviation. Um, and if you do any of these things, someone will call you out on hesitation, repetition, or deviation, and then they stand up and speak. So, pardon? Yes. Yeah. Like radio four. Um, which, yeah, our likeness to radio four is, yeah. <laughs> um, so does that anyone like to start with the motion that what is it, this house believes Christmas is overrated? Mm-hmm. Anyone? Yes. Well, this house absolutely believes that Christmas is overrated in that we should not even be discussing Christmas yet because it's still November. Christmas decorations should not be up in shops. We should not be seeing Christmas carols. Right, and we sh- Christmas. We should not even be thinking about Santa Claus. And I will tell you why, kids. Because Christmas is reserved for the month of December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is nothing to do with being overrated. This is just for talking about two hours. Christmas is in no way overrated. It is the best time of the year. Snow falls, lights shine, and small children sit around a fireplace beside the stockings, waiting for a fat man to break into their house and leave mysterious gifts behind. That makes it sound a lot more sinister than it is, but it's really not. It is truly a wonderful point of the calendar. <laughs> so we should all, we should all agree, we should all, done, damn it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you today and say that Christmas is well and truly overrated for a number of reasons. Number one, does anyone here really believe that a big fat man comes down the chimney year after calendar event and give out presents to the little children? Listen, guys, we all know by now it was mommy and daddy. It's merely a charade of what it once was. 
You'd wake up on Christmas morning, you'd go downstairs and you'd think, jolly old Saint Nick would have left the presents out for you. I think I have left. Uh, do you have the presents out for you? Oh, fuck. Hesitation. <laughs> yeah. I think that oh, okay. Christmas is actually underrated. I don't celebrate Christmas on Jewish years. But, um, at the end of the day, we live in a Christian country and we should be upholding the values of Christianity within the country and that includes Christmas. Now, I'll get back to what I was saying. Uh, so, Satan then comes down the chimney, he's got his heaving sack. Uh, the children like to. What? The children like to look at his sack and he empties it out on the floor. Everyone believes that this is something that we should gather around and appreciate. But really, does anyone want to see that? I certainly don't. And I'm sure you all agree with me when I say that we should abandon Christmas and instead celebrate Kwanzaa, the new up and coming holiday of 2015. Kwanzaa is coming around. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is an absolutely miserable time. Horrible abandoned puppies and forgiven the. As I was saying earlier, Christmas, and no one is agreeing with me, why? It, Christmas is clearly not overrated in any way. It is a wonderful time of year uh, for the reasons that I mentioned previously, but for a reason that I did not mention previously. Yeah, did I? I'm sorry. I didn't know it was three minutes. So I believe that Robbie has actually says the time. That. Says the timekeeper. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Again, back to the FIFA debate. Um, okay. So thank you. Um, I think we hate Christmas. Um, Okay, so we're going to move on to Christmas question time very quickly. So, does anyone have any questions for President? Yes? Um, Madam President, what do you have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to over. What do you have for breakfast? And lunch and dinner? Well, well, it actually went backwards. I tried to make myself lunch and then it sucked. Like, it really it was disgusting. It was like mushrooms and pepper sauce. And then I put flour in it because Google told me to to thicken it up. And it was vile. So then I had cherries. <laughs> Generally happened, yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> Have you ever tried courgette? What? The courgette that's wrapped up and looks like spaghetti. Yeah. Am I supposed to cook that? Because I got it happened. <laughs> I had a couple of Not for breakfast, anyway. Yes? I can't second the point that is indeed good. Madam President, would you like me to teach you how to cook? <laughs> People have time. My brother's a chef, fantastic chef. I am um, anything, even if I follow a recipe, it doesn't work. But yes, if, if that's an actual sincere offer, I'll work for it. Yes? Madam President, for future instances, whenever you cook and you need to thicken up any mixtures out there, I do believe it is corn syrup is the additive rather than flour. Yeah, I mean, you use flour and butter. You know, if you only have flour, like, and it says corn syrup and you chuck flour in, FYI, it doesn't work. How much did you add? Pardon? You just tip it all in? I sort of just chucked a wee bit in and then I started to iron it a little lumpy. You need to mix it in. 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 Yes? Could Madam President please explain for the minutes? What the, the illustrious story of the journey of the bell? Oh, God, yeah. So um, this is the bell. Um, 
year and then it went missing for about six months um, and I believe that it was found in the Union I think um, by Captain Kieran Gallagher who's the previous president of the SU so he found it one day and we have, it's been returned it's been returned yes right. so, that's right. and I went to the body anymore yes can the president confirm me can the president confirm for me is that indeed the bell that was dubbed Nigel whenever we had first attempted to use a bell for the society yes this is the Nigel bell I think <laughs> excellent <laughs> Things like that. Good evening. Yes, it's the last one, I think. Madam President, who do you think eats better breakfast, you or the previous president? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> See, to be fair, Tara is a very, very good cook. Um, but she, like, we sort of differ in that she ate a kale of beef for breakfast one time, whereas I ate half of a crappy mushroom peppered sauce thing in shreddies. So I think her. But, you know. I'm alive, that's fine, I get enough to do. Um, I think I think that'll do presents questions like self-conscious the fact that I'm a canker. Um, okay, so we're gonna move on to the main business finally of this evening, um, which is the motion is this house would make gender a protected species, um, which we have lovely redheads in tonight. Um, so <laughs> apart from Richie. Um, so four speakers tonight, seven minute speeches. Uh, the first and last minute will be signified. <laughs> by the ring of the bell. Um, so, uh, if you want to ask a point of information between the middle five minutes, you stand up and say, I'm not point zero, I'm not point one, and um, keep it brief and polite and you know, nice and sweet. I'll be respectful and no jumping on the tables for the love of whatever. Um, so, what else was I going to say? Yeah, I think that's right. So, the final point is that the opinions of the speakers and the audience members do not necessarily represent the literary as a whole. I do feel obliged to say that. I should have said it at the very start before private member business happened, but just keep that in mind. So, with that, I would like to welcome our first speaker for this evening, Mr. Stephen Jackson. Madam President, Mr. Speaker, and ladies and gentlemen of the House. <clears throat> so, because I only was asked for this last night, I had to go and watch Harry Potter. Um, have you ever seen it? The soul eating demanders have never tried to steal Ron Weasley's soul. <laughs> These are all terrible. What would Martin Luther King be if he was white? Alive. <laughs> so. <laughs> why? Why, is, why are jokes against gingers acceptable, but racist jokes unacceptable? <laughs> what is the difference? <laughs> we face discrimination on a level not seen by anyone else. <laughs> We are a minority. Only about 2% of the world's population are gender. 2% have red hair. Most of them are in the British Isles. There's some in Ukraine. <laughs> Historically. <laughs> By the way, the motion was... Um... The motion was this, I believe, that uh, gyms are going to extend. 
your skin color or your religion? The media jumps on you and you are uh, they're frowned upon you can, you can mock redheads all you want but anyone else? No. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I started off when we lost well, that one. <laughs> yes. So how would making gender specific species help with like, Preventing things like suicide or well, uh, part of the way of stopping us becoming stopping us becoming more of an endangered species would be to prevent uh, prevent the bullying and prevent prevent all these negative images. Hmm? <laughs> and that will help because. They won't be maligned and bullied as much, and they won't want to. They won't feel pressure by society. Yes. Yeah. So we should be endangered, and there's a charity. Start a charity up tomorrow if you want to donate. <laughs> I'll give you the bank account number. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great great point that I wrote for this debate. Originally I was going to take a rather nonsensical Highlander approach, but then people started climbing on tables. <laughs> rather killed that party. So anyway, I posed this motion on both technical and emotional grounds. Uh, and I'll start with the technical, because it's mostly the usual whinging about the specific wording of the motion that happens every week that nobody really cares about. So, if we are being technical, According to Wikipedia, and I know you shouldn't use Wikipedia's primary source, but for definitions I think it's okay. According to Wikipedia, Homo sapiens is the scientific term for the only extant human species. Extant meaning surviving, so therefore there is only one human species. Consequently, people with orange hair aren't their own special little species, ergo they can't be a protected species. Also, according to Wikipedia, race uh, as a social construct is a group of people who share similar and distinct physical characteristics. <coughs> So there could be an argument to be made that orange hair denotes a specific race and da 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 protect race could be valid. But I would oppose that motion for the exact same reasons that I oppose this one. Now, gbrmpa.gov.au, which stands for Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority, defines a protected species as a plant or animal that is protected by law and needs special management. <laughs> Remember that for a <laughs> Let's say the house wore to make genetics a protected species. First of all, it would be defining people with orange hair as not a part of the human species. Uh, it would be saying that we are in some way inhuman. So now, people with orange hair are either subhuman, because they certainly aren't going to be acknowledged as supra-human anytime soon, which was a prefix I had to look up, by the way, or they're all 
characters from a Marvel comic book. <laughs> well, yes, I can see how this will have uh, resulted in better treatment already. Moving past the linguistics, by passing this motion, the House will be saying that people with orange hair need to be protected by law and need special management. First of all, need special management? If an eight-year-old types what is a protected species into Google, that definition is the first thing that comes up. Uh, have I already lost my place? Uh, yeah. So now not only are children saying all the usual nonsense about people with orange hair, but now, they're, now they can rightfully say that they also have special needs, which I think we can all agree is a term that young children don't typically use respectfully. <laughs> Second, as far as I know, when a protected species is protected under law, it usually means that people aren't allowed to kill them. Not that you can't call them names. And unless I've somehow missed the horrific ginger genocide going on somewhere in the world, I don't really think that's an issue at the moment. I don't deny that bullying and tormenting children is terrible, and it's done by adults unacceptable. But children bullying other children isn't going to be stopped by law or reason. They don't fully understand what they're doing. Their brains, morality, and even their souls aren't fully developed yet. And you can't punish them too harshly, because that can have equally adverse effects. And I know that bullying can cause, to put bluntly, people to kill themselves and others. But that is, in my opinion, a much broader issue that needs specific attention. Now, you might say that black people well, terrible end of legislation, but none of that. Well, yes, but that sort of legislation wasn't targeted in the name-calling aspect of their discrimination. More of the segregation, and before that, the mention. And before that, the Also, they needed that massive civil rights movement on more than one occasion to get on this station, so yeah, I don't really think the two groups are comparable. <laughs> People with orange hair are not treated like second-class citizens, which have never been defined in law as being worth three-fifths of a person. If we ever are, then yes, nice stay away. But a, law, a, a line must be drawn somewhere. Otherwise, we will be having this debate again in 50 years, but with people with big ears or glasses as the subject. And should anyone with orange hair, glasses, big ears, or any other uh, less than overwhelmingly common feature be mistreated? No, of course not. But where does it end? If we outlaw all communicative forms of uh, discrimination, is thought crime next? Will we decide that you can never truly end discrimination with anything less than the death penalty for offenders? After all, isn't calling you Duracell a car top absolutely unacceptable? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm a weird guy. Uh, so in my hair for the copy's attention, and then they noticed my personality, I was a prime target for release. And I was! And I'm not going to stand here and say I enjoyed it, or I'm glad it happened, or continue to just take it wildly, as I just noticed I had to, uh, or that it had a positive impact on me. Because to this day, it hasn't. But I am where I am. No. And for all those stakes I've made so far, I wouldn't want to be any different. Besides, once I organise that ginger albino bold militia, we'll give all you blonde friends and black hair before it's back empty. To end, I'd like to read a quote from what is quite possibly my favourite television show of all time, The West Wing. The quote is from a character called Ainsley Hayes, a female Republican, who is opposed to the return of the Equal Rights Amendment, which was a proposed amendment to the US Constitution that was specifically designed to guarantee equal rights for women. When asked why she could have an objection to it, she said, because it's humiliating. A new amendment we vote on, declaring that I'm equal under the law to a man? I am mortified to discover there is reason to believe I wasn't before. I am a citizen of this country. I am not a special subset in need of your protection. I, don't, I do not need to have my rights handed down to me by a bunch of old white men. And that basically sums up my thoughts on the motion. The laws we have at the moment cover me as far as I need them to. I do not need your protection or your pity. And I find this suggestion that I do to be quite irritating. Uh, 
I have literally one line left, and I thought I should have taken longer than this. All right, well, thanks for listening, and vote up. <laughs> It's been far too long since I've been standing in front of the Honourable Members of House in order to address you. Um, just a point of information, uh, folks may have noticed me coughing throughout this meeting. I do not have tuberculosis, I simply have asthma and this current change in the weather from cold to hot to cold to hot is simply kicking the living heck out of me. Now, what my able friend for the proposition had tried before, before this wilderness of tigers that set themselves upon him is he is saying that the we, the people of red hair who have been kissed by fire itself have an image problem what do Isabel of Castile Christopher Columbus Achilles even David and even Adam upon some old translations of the Old Testament have in common well, apart from being people who have changed the very fabric of the societies that they lived in, we're all crowned in fire like myself. <laughs> yet, yet, throughout human history, there has been one thing that has come clear, that has been beset upon us by people of other colours of hair. This image problem, this idea that there is something negative about having red hair, some sort of an undesirable characteristic that surely you would not want to pass on to your children. For example, within ancient Egypt, people with red hair were seen to be blessed or chosen or favoured by the god Set, the guardian of Upper Egypt and one of the principal deities of the Egyptian pantheon. Yet in the modern day, Set has been equivalent to evilness, whereas very clearly he is not evil, he is simply a storm god, he was quite necessary. But nonetheless, this translates to, oh, but he likes red hair people, there must clearly be something wrong. And if one is to actually read the Malleus Malficarum, I think my Latin may be off, but the Hand of the Witches, the guy that was used during every single witch hunt and scare throughout Europe in the Middle Ages, said the red hair was, without um, exception, a sure sign that the person in the is either a werewolf, a warlock, or a vampire. <laughs> Whilst no sensible people in the modern day actually believe in a werewolf, a warlock, or a vampire outside of voodoo or blood and death ink or whatever your clubs are these days, <laughs> The negative connotation still exists. For some reason, there is some reason why we do not like people with red, red hair. They stand apart from us. Even that very joke that red hair has now been found in Neanderthals that makes us slightly difficult that makes us a callback to a human species that no longer exists. Well, all I have to say to people who take the literal approach to the Bible, well, the children of Adam and Eve had to find their brides from some other human species, or else we have a very uncomfortable truth about ourselves to accept. With somebody next to Jamie and Cersei's relationship in Game of Thrones, no longer quite as creepy as everyone had initially believed it to be. What do we mean by we want to make redheads a protected species? We could refer to a change of the law, but simply adds us into the Racial um, Equality Act, or even Section. Pardon me, which could add us to Equality Act. But this is a very simple change. We don't need to specifically stick in and people with red hair into the middle of legislation that suddenly makes it okay you can prosecute people for being discriminatory towards us. Rather, you should rewrite the legislation to, to say that a hate crime is something that is committed against someone with the defining feature of which the cause of the crime is at least partially influenced by a physical characteristic of the person's being, which can include either race or gender. Isn't it funny how we sort of say we are one human species, homo sapiens, yet we are perfectly willing to talk about races when we are talking about people from the Asian continent or from Africa or the indigenous Americans? Curious, isn't it? 
we're always splitting people up into different subsets, whether we are scientists trying to categorize humans into different things, or whether we are simply tribal folk with common histories and memories. For example, I am a gale, people in the island now to me are the mounts. There's no actual, nothing makes them totally different, it's just we accept that we, are, we divide ourselves into different subsets. That's how we become aware of who we are, who our local community is. Well, when we understand our local community, we can understand the slightly wider community. But anyway, I'm getting slightly beyond myself. What, my pre what our previous speaker for the proposition had more or less tried to say, and he was quite right with that joke he made, it is perfectly okay to make a joke about somebody with red hair. Oh, it's just a joke. They get red. There's nothing to it. So there's no harm in it. Yet if you tell a joke about somebody being from either the African-American community or the, Han Chinese, or the Han Chinese community, and that person is not from that community himself, very, very suddenly, that is not okay. Now, granted, jokes can be funny if they have a slightly racial tinge to it, provided you know that the teller of the joke has no actual prejudice within their heart. This is simply an observational joke, which on occasion can be funny. I would take your point now. Yeah, the, the reason in my mind why it's okay to make a joke about people with orange hair and not people with their, you know, different colour skin and all that, for example, black people, because people with orange hair have never been killed en masse or enslaved en masse. People have, and whenever you make a, a joke that could be, you know, interpreted as racist towards a black person, there is always the slight wondering: is are they being serious? Is there slightly a more sinister undertone to this joke, which is why it's less acceptable? Growing up with this colour friend myself, and by the way, I am completely and utterly proud of my hair as my defeating characteristic. It sort of sets me apart from other mortals, you know, being crowded with fire and kissed by it at the same time is utterly magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I will refer you back to the Malleus Maleficarum. Whilst it's a piece of comedy today to hear about people talking about how to find yourself a witch, back for some poorly educated people back to the Middle Ages and even the early modern period, this was a frightfully real characteristic. Imagine your way of walking through the countryside near Salzburg something and a peasant who reckons that his turnips have been cursed by a warlock. That is why he cannot make any money at the market. Sees me strolling along on my way to hear Mozart playing his latest piece before he finally left Salzburg for good. And the claims, strange man, doesn't speak my language, red hair, clearly I have a warlock amongst me. Where is my pitchfork? I must kill him. Things can have a disastrous effect. Essentially what we are trying to say is, we do not need a legal change to make genders a protected species. This is a change of mind in society. People need to get that it's not quite always okay to make a joke about ginger people. Because it's not always just funny. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can hurt your soul. That might sound childish, that might sound petty, but in a day when we are becoming increasingly aware of things that can trigger mental illnesses, or rather somebody who already has a mental illness, but all these various and insults, and being backed up and embraced by people saying, oh, it's just a joke, doesn't help. Again, I'm not saying we need a change for law. I say we just need to say, people, come on. Next time I see a drama on TV or movie about Christopher Columbus in 1492 sailing in the ocean blue, trying to find his way to China and discovering the West Indies, I want him to be ginger. Because Christopher Columbus was ginger. Thank you very much. Well, back to the Um So our final speaker for the opposition and closing the debate tonight is Mr. Richie Thank you, Madam President, and good evening, everyone. 
Um, first of all, I feel really bad opposing this motion tonight and obviously not having red hair. I can't even claim strawberry blonde, although I can grow a ginger beard. If I, if I. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start by saying the proposition tonight uh, means well. Research conducted by genetic scientists for National Geographic uh, a few years ago did find that by the end of the century redheads will be close to extinction. Yes, there will come a time when people speak in whispered tones of the days that when redheads roamed in. <laughs> this is due to the fact that according to the National Institutes of Health, red hair is associated with the gene MC1R, a recessive and somewhat rare gene that is found in only 2% of the world today, the world's population today, and is under threat because of the fact that both parents must carry the gene and that it skips a generation. As well as this, the gene is under threat by global intermingling. Uh, which broadens the availability of certain partners and lessens the chances of redheads meeting and, cre and creating them redheads of their own. It is also under threat because the gene does not adapt to warm climates, which is problematic as climate change continues. But my argument will centre on the fact that just because something will be extinct does not mean it should be protected at any expense. Sorry. Especially as protection of gingers is impossible to do, or redheads, sorry politically correct, whatever the term is, <laughs> impossible to do without forfeiting equality and supporting discrimination as it ultimately positions redheads in a more powerful position than others. Sorry. Yeah, other people. Sorry. Tonight's debate, I figured, was going to be uh, a little bit more lighthearted than typical debate, so I wrestled with the idea of going there or not, but ultimately I want to win, and so I'm going to go there. The proposition but therefore, if you support this proposal, and anyone here who supports the proposal, is nothing more than a ginger supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> because as we're all too aware, there's another famous brand supremacist who claim their species is going extinct as well, and who wants certain protections also. So why has society relegated these supremacists to their mother's basements? <laughs> you can ask. Well, it's partly because Science has proven that the only difference between their species and others, sorry, species, which is a, the title of the proposal, um, and others is aesthetics. And as much as, and as, as such, it isn't worth protecting, especially as this protection has resulted in some of the greatest injustice, injustices and massacres in history. It took the human species a bit longer than it should have to figure this out, so let us please not regress now. Yes, redheads would be a loss to the world, if only aesthetically, but still a loss nonetheless. Perhaps nothing is as validating at this point as the period when cinema moved from monochrome to technicolor, and we immediately see the emergence of famous redheaded actors such as Rita Hayworth, Maureen O'Hara, James Cagney, and Susan Hayward, illuminating cinema screens across the world. Imagine a world where Mick Hucknall, Paul Scholes, Chris Evans, Jessica Chastain, Louis C.K., Nicole Kidman, and wrestling Seamus <laughs> all had the same sort of hair as everyone else. No one would want that. And it is sad that this list will not be given any longer. The world will be frightfully ordinary without redheads. Try to picture the year 2200. Everyone will have dark brown hair, brown eyes, and faces bereft of freckles. Action figures and dolls will be dark-haired, but Raggedy Ann will have fallen by the wayside. 
Red-headed clowns, clowns sorry, will have all gotten into their tiny cars and driven away never to <laughs> There will be museums featuring redheads of the past, like the Neanderthal hominus redheaders. Conspiracy theorists once insist that an entire population was banished to a far faraway island where the Irish danced to oblivion. <laughs> but if we attempt to think of solutions to the problem of the extinction of gingers or even major, measures we can take to prolong this inevitability, we discover that these ideas are every bit as distasteful as the ideas that other supremacists thought of. What would some of these ideas be exactly? It may start with the banning of use of offensive words to protect against bullying and discrimination. But where does it end? Segregation? Slavery and lynching, lynching of all non-gingers? Apartheid? Seriously, though, prohibiting gingers from marrying outside the sect, making it a law between a ginger and non-ginger forbidden? Essentially turning every red-haired woman into a femme fatale from 1950 cinema? But that's a different point. Um, Protecting gingers would be a slippery slope to a placing of people on lists, moving people to remote communities and specialised locations with suitable climates where they can live peacefully to procreate and strengthen numbers. <laughs> so, in conclusion... Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Scotland? <laughs> that would be a prime location, yeah. <laughs> um, so, in conclusion, as is the case with the species, and those other supremacists wanted to protect with their hate speech, flags, silly names, silly costumes, and orange sashes. What? means <laughs> <laughs> discrimination of any kind, then no, it is not worth protecting. And if you agree with this, you cannot possibly support the proposition tonight. Sorry, so, having thoroughly offended just about everyone, I will end there. So. <laughs> species, we're not simply saying let us breed like manicness, let us ban all forms of, co of contraception and therefore we will surely get the numbers checked. 
let us take all redheads and let us screen everybody else to find the recessive gene hiding in the DNA, waiting to, be, to allow itself to be expressed. If that's really the question you're asking, it just becomes a matter of whatever comes to two single redheads of one man and one woman. Ignore the naysayers who will laugh and giggle, oh look, there's two gingers getting together. Cast off their doubts and just go for it. That's the only answer I can think. I mean, yeah, cast off your doubts, guys. Um, yes, brief response and opposition. I'm not saying I'm serious, do you Did you all hear that? Uh, no, it's not. This isn't a response to your question, but something very similar happened to me whenever I was younger. Only, only it was Italy. Um, so there you go. Um, do we have a question for the opposition? Yes. I'm not sure if it's for the opposition, but does it always skip the gene? Because this skip a generation. I saw like a man and a woman who were both ginger, and then they had like a little, a, like a letter. Of, like, <laughs> Uh, um, yes, there is medical knowledge. No, uh, I can't compete with your personal experience there, but National Geographic do say yes, it does uh, in general skip a generation, yes, in general. Side note, we've had 11 of us, 8 above, 10 above that, and there's one ginger in every family. Um, it's excellent recessive. Mm-hmm. Pardon? It's excellent recessive inheritance. Yes. Yeah. The, the only way you can be guaranteed a redheaded child 100% of the time is if both mother and the father have red heads. But it's, it's like an issue of Mendelian genetics that you can play with, like your wee pot squares. You know how we have two genes to express every physical characteristic. In school, it was always like the capital R for a dominant gene and a small r for a recessive gene, and then you can have fun making your ways and sort of playing about within what sort of crazy combinations of hair colour you can possibly come up with and then it's simply a matter of odds really that much I'm from a family of six, three of us are red three of us aren't red, that's just how the coin flips really okay, Thank you, um, so we have a general point on the motion of stating the motion yes. I'd just like to correct oh, I'd just like to make one information regarding uh, your incorrectness with regards to the Old Testament and with regards to the theory of evolution uh, now, somebody who doesn't actually believe in the theory of evolution, I'm actually going to quote it here. That basically, you've got homo, uh, the precursor to Homo sapiens basically was uh, Homo Heidelberg, and Homo Heidelberg split off into uh, Neanderthals and to Homo sapiens. Right, so Neanderthals were meant to then die off as the weaker species, but what happened was with the people, with the Homo sapiens who couldn't find a mate, they basically then got with the Neanderthals, and that's what happened with gingers. <laughs> uh, rather than actually being oh, out of choice or anything like that, it was the weaker species of the Homo sapiens got with the Neanderthals, who were the weaker of the two species that came from Homo Heidelberg. I can suppose that is I suppose that is a theory about how things kind of came about. There's no... Well, there's a fact confirming a theory, or else you have a time machine somewhere where you saw this one reject from Homo sapien dander off to the local Neanderthal village and find love with a cast out daughter of the Neanderthal family. But it's, um, you can only like this. I mean, the ultimate, the ultimate fact is, if you go deep enough into the genetics, I'm pretty sure you can find some measure of our human ancestors of different species before eventually became to us. You can probably find them somewhere in here. Well, 
Oh, no. You don't have to say anything. You just say that. Um, do you have a break in that? Do you want to say The person who discovered or named Homo Heidelberg, was he called Heidelberg? Ah, because it sounds like somebody just went, I'm doing this after myself now. It's <laughs> probably the region, because Neanderthals are region. Oh, really? There's a valley, and we're the first Neanderthals. Ah. So Heidelberg's the size of Sinclair Mountain. Okay. Don't ask what anymore, right? Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Today. Okay, so we have a question for the proposition. Oh. Please, guys. What's this? Proposition. Yeah. Okay. Um, really? First speech? No, no, no. No. no, no, no. no. A couple of bad jokes and then a little nozzles. Two more left. I'll do it. You said ten more to last, didn't you? Okay. Anyone else like a go? Ten more challenge? Alright. Okay, do we have a point for the opposition? Um, no? Okay. All of them are interested. Are there point of stating on the motion? Oh, wait. <laughs> Can we make a general statement? In the abstaining section, yes. Far away. Margaret Thatcher was ginger. And she's not dead, so we're okay. Um, <laughs> fun wasn't here. This goes back to the whole like let us all thing, yeah. So <laughs> 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 even any points said by me do not reflect that it's a proposition. <laughs> any comments on the fact that Margaret Thatcher was ginger? Selfish. <laughs> 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 Go for it. <laughs> 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 Go for it. Uh, I only discovered this literally about probably three, four weeks ago. So apparently Winston Churchill also had a round chair, uh, which you generally don't know because you always see pictures of him when he's bald, but he is listed pretty much anywhere that has listed people with orange hair as someone with orange hair. So what is Winston Churchill? I think we know what you're Yeah, I would just like to add Margaret Thatcher's uh, ginger supremacism to her all the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think actually the car to do that, like the add-on duty for like manifestos. <laughs> but, um, My add-on something. You can do in the next round, which I'm sure we're not going to have many questions. Um, questions for the proposition, these guys. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I've got a speak, uh, question for the first speaker. Um, you had a joke um, about Martin Luther King. What examples of jokes are unacceptable for gingers? Could you give us some examples? Ornate <laughs> <laughs> uh, calling. What is it? Ornate calling. <laughs> Do you, do you want to list all the names that were called during school? Yes. I think for the present company, I think it would be very insensitive. Just, just uh, top, top 50, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and more to ask. Let me think, what was the worst one? Not the worst one. <laughs> I remember breaking a guy's teeth for calling them Fantapons. <laughs> uh, it was quite imaginative, but then he didn't say it anymore. <laughs> After I punched him. Was that yeah, let's point these guys. Um, so do we have a question for the opposition? No? Yeah. A point by Campus. Yeah. Uh, 
Is this your position? No, I'm not. Okay. Are you standing up, Ocean? Yes, prefer. What did Ray Slides think of positive discrimination? Absolutely terrible. Okay. <laughs> I think it shouldn't be applied in any circumstances ever. Alright, great. And the opposite solution? Uh, yeah, I was going to look into the whole thing about uh, affirmative action in America, but then I realised that my speech was seven minutes, which apparently it wasn't. But uh, as far as I'm aware, I didn't look into it fully, but as far as I'm aware, it didn't really work up in America, in America and it's, it was in law, and then they repealed it, and it still can go around, but it still doesn't really work. So yeah, all around a bad idea, uh, from what I'm aware. Thank you. Um, so we'll go for one last round of questions. So, proposition? Yes, the back, stand up here. Just inspired by the first speaker's mentioning of breaking a person's teeth <laughs> in order to shut persons up about uh, insulting them, I would propose that many gingers are in, in fact capable of looking after themselves. <laughs> I mean, many of the, the biggest, baddest rugby players have ever come across being big gingers. <laughs> I would agree that many of us are capable of looking after ourselves, but there's always the little ones. We need to. It's always the little ones in any subsection of society. They get picked on. Thank you. Um, and do we have a question for the opposition? Okay, yes. We've talked about this idea. Okay, we have talked about this idea of this National Geographic study that says that the redhead gene is going extinct. I wish to point out that that was like one line taken out of a paragraph that got to the sun in the Daily Mail, therefore it was, it was exploded that suddenly that redheads are going to go extinct. Further studies have proved that whilst the, the general number of gingers may decrease, it will never actually go extinct. We will always sort of be around unless there is an active campaign of extermination. Yeah. Okay, would you like a brief response to that? Well, I think the exact words were almost extinct. Um, so yeah, I think we did, we did take that. And this so this uh, statistic didn't come from the Daily Mail or, or the Sun. It was actually the Daily Express. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have one final point of stating evolution in Scotland. Yes, that please. I was wondering what people's thoughts on were the ideas that if and or when uh, the ginger gene becomes extinct. It can live on either through gene modification or just a trend of people dyeing their hair ginger. <laughs> that last one's pretty valid. Um, yes, proposition first to response to that. Well, I suppose there, 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 is, a, there, is, a, there is a there is a there is a there is an historical recording of there being a fan of dyeing their hair red, apparently. Somewhere along the way it was mentioned that the Prophet Muhammad apparently it was a fashionable thing to dye your hair red with a mixture of berries with there, and apparently he's had a quite a fashion trend during the early um, Umayyad caliphates with there. And as for gene modification, yeah, go for it. I mean, whenever these things come in and people have weird shapes and superpowers, they'll be awesome. And then if they're superhumans and they have red hair, even better. Super, 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 super. Uh, gene modification, I'm all behind. As far as I'm concerned, we should modify everyone's genes, make everyone ginger. Dying your hair, though. Dying your hair, though. No, absolutely no way. I think, just in general, not just people who dye their hair or anything, but people who dye their hair. Sorry, Robbie. Uh, your hair looks so much better when it was brown. Uh, people who dye their hair are just pathetic language. Um, we should just stick with what they got and be happy. <laughs> 
Assorted noises of Johnny Finley and Ravi Whitehurst. Yes, that was 